you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another conversation to help you take ownership of your career and control of your future. And that is what I'm all about in every episode of this show. Today, I'm talking with my friend, Sean Washburn, who is a manufacturing engineer for 25 years, as well as a consultant uh, in the engineering space. He specializes in helping companies and individuals solve problems, streamline and automate processes, and maximize the value of their people. Sean is also the host of the Engineering Your Business podcast, where he helps business leaders do more with processes and people to do more with what they have. And uh, I recorded this interview live on LinkedIn with Sean, so you might hear a couple comments come in as well as a question. Uh, but the interview, we, we cover some really important topics. The first and biggest one is curiosity and the importance of curiosity in our careers to drive our success. We talk about creativity. Um, we talk about finding efficiencies in our business, streamlining uh, and with our careers, looking at processes and eliminating waste if we can, uh, maximizing our time. We talk about using Excel or Google Sheets, something we haven't talked about on this show before. Uh, we talk about a push-up challenge that Sean hosted uh, back in uh, the early days of the pandemic in 2020 that I participated in. Um, and uh, we talk a little bit about Sean's advice uh, and what it means to own your career. So great interview. Uh, and, you know, lately I feel like I've had a lot of authors and speakers and so-called experts on career stuff. It's nice to talk to somebody who's in their career and has just been talking with a lot of other people thinking about this stuff uh, to share his experience and wisdom. And so I hope you enjoy this interview. Uh, before we get into it, I want to remind you, this podcast is sponsored by my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Recently, the book turned one year old. In fact, I recorded this interview with Sean on the one-year anniversary, November 16th. And if you have not yet bought and read the book, I would be honored if you'd go check it out. The book is available on Amazon. You can get it there. And if you have already read the book and you haven't left a review, I would be so grateful if you'd go leave a review on Amazon. We've got over 225-star reviews, and I know that we can do so much better, so much more. So many people have read this book and appreciated it. Um, also, if you've read it, we've got free resources available on our website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus head on over there. You can grab some free resources. Just put in your email address and uh, we'll keep in touch on all the things we have going on. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, here is my interview with Sean Washburn about engineering your career. All right. I am live now with Sean Washburn, who is a manufacturing engineer with 25 years experience specializing in helping companies solve problems, streamline and automate processes and maximize the value of their people. And Sean is also the host of the Engineering Your Business podcast. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. Excited about being on here. Yeah, I am as well. Uh, you and I have, I don't know, known each other for a few years, interacted on social media, supported each other here and there, chatted here and there. Uh, and I'm excited to kind of dig in to some of the work you've been doing and, and talk about some important concepts like curiosity and creativity and communication and how we can all improve in our careers, whether we're running a business or, um, you know, operating as an engineer or a project manager or 
maybe an author and speaker or podcaster or whatever, <laughs> right? There's always things that we can improve and nothing that a spreadsheet can't help, right? right. Um, so we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, but I want to start with a little bit of background on you and your career. Um, have you, you've always been in engineering? Did you, did you always want to be an engineer? How did this all, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I didn't really even know much about engineering uh, until maybe junior year in high school. And I was, I liked math and science and kind of that kind of stuff and met with a guidance counselor and he's like, maybe you should check out engineering. So I had, uh, I had an uncle who was a civil engineer, but that's a little different. Um, and ended up going that route when, uh, mechanical engineering at college and stayed with it all four years and got out. Um, I interned for four years when I was in school, uh, in the summers as, um, like in a consulting engineering firm. And then I graduated and they didn't have a position. <laughs> so I was like trying to figure out what to do. And it was funny because that was consulting that didn't pan out. And then a manufacturing job opened up. I was living in Columbus, Ohio, and this was down in Cincinnati. Took the first job and the rest is history. I've been in manufacturing for 25 years and I'm glad it went that route because I really love the hands-on, um, being able to see and touch and uh, be a part of that whole process. So, yeah. Um, you know, fun fact, I put this in my book. Uh, I really wanted to be an engineer when I was in high school. I thought I wanted to be a civil engineer. I loved roads and bridges and design. I loved math and physics. Um, and when I got to college at the university of Florida, I decided on, a, I chose a civil engineering major. And again, uh, was great with physics and calculus, um, but I could not do chemistry to save my life. And <laughs> even though I don't think you need any chemistry to be a civil engineer, you had to pass one uh, chemistry class and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't make it through. Now, part of that was because I was probably, I had joined a fraternity and I was out drinking every night um, and not <laughs> studying as much as I could have or should have. Uh, but I never made it through and ended up changing my major to business. And, uh, you know, it's all part of the journey. It got me to where I am today. But uh, I admire that you were able to power through that and, and build that engineering career. Yeah, you and me are the same, though, with chemistry. That was not somehow I passed it. But my my experiments never looked the way that they're supposed to when they finished. So. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Some people love it, right? It's all all depends on your personality. And, and you picked a career that was a good fit for you. Uh, and so as you've gone, how did you get into um, you know, it's, it's one thing to kind of just be an engineer and do the job that you're doing, but I know you've gotten into a little bit of consulting and really thinking kind of on, on a bigger picture level of how organizations approach things like people, culture, processes, um, to really, um, you know, not only find efficiencies, but obviously be more successful. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's as time's gone on, um, and I've interacted with people I knew or, just different connections that were made. You know, I realized that a lot of what I, how I was wired or things I learned um, through, through manufacturing, through um, problem solving, communication, and just like I say, the, the way I'm wired, I'm, I'm more on the creative and communication side of, of an engineer. And I just saw a lot of that play out. And you mentioned the spreadsheet thing. That was one of the ones too, that um, I think for years, you know, something that you're good at, you know, whatever it is. And, and other people are like, oh, I hate doing this. And you, <laughs> you, you might look at something and be like, this is easy. Right. And so that, that's kind of how it was with Excel and spreadsheets. And so 
I would tend to, I think that's kind of where a lot of that started uh, was, you know, being able to take a, a problem and, and see, okay, I already know how to automate this or you're doing it this way. And, you know, a lot of my work right now is, is looking at a lot of processes and workflows and, and how to make that more efficient. And so a lot of that transitions over uh, when you do it in one area, it can transition over to another. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, we are recording this live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. If you are joining us live, uh, say, hey, where are you joining from? And if you have a question, feel free to uh, to pop in and ask a question about engineering processes, creativity, any career questions. Um, we had some mutual friends who uh, popped in supporting us. So we have uh, comments from Jeremy Allen, who said, so good. And uh, John Vandermeulen, uh, who sent his support, <laughs> uh, as well as Adrian Breitfeld, who said, good to see you. Great stuff, as always. Uh, so we appreciate all the support uh, from friends who are tuning in and, and supporting us. Um, Sean, when it comes to thinking about the work that we're doing and um, you and I were kind of going back and forth on what we we're going to talk about, uh, you suggested a topic that is one of my absolute favorite in the world, <laughs> which is curiosity. And this is something where um, the other day I gave, I was doing a Q&A for a company and somebody asked me, I, actually, I think it was the big Zoom webinar that I was doing recently. And someone asked, what's the number one skill or thing that you recommend to be successful in any type of career, which is like a big bucket. And the thing I went to was curiosity. I think there's nothing that can serve you better uh, in a career, no matter what you're doing than curiosity. So what if you could talk a little bit about that, how that served you well, and why you suggested that as such an important topic. Yeah, it's funny that yeah we both resonate so well with that. Um, I don't know. I think you know one thing about it is there's plenty of things that can take a long time to you know skills that you have to either pay to learn or take time to develop. And curiosity is like one that you don't have to be anybody. You don't have to have any standing or a title or whatever to to. Now you do have to kind of train yourself to to look at things differently. But I've always been. Um, you know, we have, we have where I work, we have a lot of, um, high school groups come in, which I've missed that with all the COVID and everything, <laughs> but, uh, we'd have groups come in and that's one thing I always challenged the high schoolers with was, um, just to be curious about, you know, a lot of them already said, you know, maybe they're juniors and seniors and they're like, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to major in this. I'm going to do this. And the reality, I mean, you've, you've pivoted a lot of times and the reality is, you don't know what you're going to be doing in five years. That position may not even exist now, mm -hmm. but it doesn't cost anything to not only be curious about your career and things that are out there, but also like, you know, like I say, at work problem solving, be curious about why, you know, okay, this thing's not working right. You know, maybe it's something at mm -hmm. your house. Like it bugs me if I can't dig down to what the root cause is because it's always this, you know, mystery box. So I just think, you know, I, with my kids, the same thing, like just ask, you know, learn to ask more questions, learn how to ask better questions. And, and, uh, because it's a, like we talked about, it's not, doesn't cost you anything. And, and yet in the end, there's so much knowledge that's out there. You know, you, you're big into crypto, right? I'm like, yeah. didn't know anything about it. And I spent a weekend with my cousin and he's really big into crypto. I was like, Oh, you should be, <laughs> you should be Andy. Right. <laughs> right. But like, like at some point you didn't know anything about it. And yeah. you were curious and you learned about it. So like, I think that's how we, we learn and grow. And we've never had so much information at our fingertips that make that easy to do. Then yeah. 
if we do but you that. know what's funny relate um, you know you brought up crypto and and i've really gotten deep into cryptocurrency blockchain non-fungible tokens nfts this year just studying and finding everything i can obviously and and, and investing in it as well uh but what i think about and, and plenty of people have this story but i first heard about bitcoin in probably 2011 or 2012 something like that and my reaction at the time was that's not for me that's not something that i invest in that's for you know shady people drug dealers <laughs> other people, right well i made some assumption about it right yeah and i put it aside and didn't go back to it until the very beginning of 2021 now a lot of people did that that was normal that's why it wasn't worth very much back then and it's worth a lot more now however if i had led with complete curiosity and said oh that's interesting i'd like to find out more about this and you know found something to convince me to invest a significant amount of money in it I would be a multimillionaire right now, mm. not needing to work because I had invested early in Bitcoin, right? But I didn't because I wasn't curious. I made an assumption that that is not something that's for me and I didn't follow any type of curiosity. And that's just one example, right? That you made me think of because we make so many assumptions and judgment calls in life. We just see things, we see people doing things and we're just like, oh, that's not for me. I don't like the way they're doing that. that I've tried that before, that never worked. Right. And you see it all the time at work in companies versus like, oh, let me get curious and find out what I know, what I don't know, what maybe we could change, what could be improved. And like, who knows, maybe I should invest. Mm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you brought up assumptions that I think curiosity and assumptions, like when I've had co-ops work with me, I usually challenge them to kind of question everything that everything that they see and everything I tell them too. I'm like, just cause I tell you something and this is the way we do it doesn't mean it's the best way. So, and the ones who've taken me up on that, I mean, we've come up with, they've really said, you know, we found some good improvements on things that we, we hadn't noticed. And, um, the assumption thing, I love talking about assumptions too. Cause like, you know, I mean, you have to make assumptions throughout your day. Who knows how many assumptions you make? Like, you don't even think about it. You just, mm -hmm. you know, this thing, you know, is the floor in your house going to give away? You know, probably not. <laughs> right. But like, but when we don't, um, when we don't acknowledge what, uh, what we are assuming, like if we're trying to solve a problem, that's why we run into issues because we, um, I like to think of like, you have to take each assumption and set it in a chair, like with the interrogator light, right. You know, and ask it tough questions, you know, if it can stand up to the questions, then, okay, you can move on and you know that you can trust that foundation of that assumption. But, you know, if you kind of just skip on to step three and you, you know, I, I, I find it happen all the time at work with the, we have a, you know, if a machine's down or whatever, it always comes back to the thing that we weren't even thinking about that we just, mm. well, it could never, it can never be that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and I think too, I know you've talked a lot about, you know, assumptions in, in the realm of maybe uh, limiting beliefs too, right. You yeah. just assume that, you know, like as you challenged me on this, like, uh, not too long ago about being a leader in a certain area and just, you yeah. know, who, who am I to not take on some sort right. of or role we, or we, responsibility we just, or whatever. We disqualify ourselves before we even have a shot, right? Cause just assume, oh, I can't do that. Or people won't, uh, you know, another story from my childhood, we talked about the engineering thing. I tell this a lot. I told it in the book as well. I grew up playing baseball. My dream was to be a professional baseball player. But I was, you know, I was, I was an average player, probably at best. I could have been better. Um, but when I got to high school at 15, I quit. I didn't even try out for the team because mm -hmm. the, my high school had a, what I perceived to be a very good baseball team. And I just figured they're really good. I'm not even going to make it. 
like how ridiculous and like so embarrassed of that now right because like why not at least try out let them tell me no you can't play instead i just disqualified myself before i even gave it a shot and that was the end of my baseball career by the way <laughs> haven't played since then have you, have you seen the um 100 days of rejection video series on youtube no i haven't this is from a couple of years ago i can't i can't remember the guy he ended up i think he ended up going on and doing a ted talk about this but it's really fascinating because he it's kind of like assumptions but like for him it was a fear he got sick of being afraid to do things yeah you know, even ask for like you know extra mayonnaise at dinner right. or something like that yeah and he kind of got sick of being in this cocoon of like that fear and so he right. challenged himself to 100 days in a row and he recorded on youtube like he'd go and ask something with the goal being to get a, being a rejection. Rejected. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting because I think the end result was like more than 50% of the time the people said yes. Like, so right. he failed, he failed his test, but if he'd never even asked, he wouldn't have gotten these things. So like right. I've been the same way, like you're talking about with the, uh, this is probably going to go this way. So I'm not even going to yeah. try it. You know? Right. But you don't ask, you don't get what you don't ask for. Right. And I've learned <laughs> that I spent yeah. most of my life being afraid of rejection and I've made some big changes there because I realized you don't get what you don't ask for. And like, obviously you got to ask things have to be, you know, it's got to be appropriate, right? Like the right tone and person and situation mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I've seen some of those. There, there was a challenge I once saw where you're supposed to go places and ask for a discount when you have no reason to like go up <laughs> to Starbucks and order a cup of coffee and say, can I have a discount? And it's yeah. like, it's like this scary thing because you know, they're going to say no. Um, but sometimes they don't, sometimes you're like, oh, because the other thing, the other side of it is people don't like saying no. And so a lot of times right. people found that they would get discounts because the person working at the counter would be like, well, I don't want to reject them. So <laughs> let me find a way. We're like, oh, maybe I can give you a 10% discount or something like that on your coffee. It's just, the whole thing is fascinating psychology. Um, but you know, going back to the topic at hand, it all comes down to, can we be curious instead of saying, oh, if I do this, I'll get rejected or. I've tried this before. It's never going to work. Getting curious and saying, I wonder what would happen if I wonder mm -hmm. what that person is thinking. I wonder what they'd say, um, you know, if I asked the question. So that that's curiosity. Another thing I know you, you love to talk about is, is creativity. And for a long time, I think, I don't think I thought of myself as being uh, particularly creative. I do think of myself that way now. Uh, and uh, our friend uh, Jeremy Allen asked a question, uh, which was, can a defined process lead to better creativity? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, can a defined process? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> how to, how to, I mean, I, I know having things defined definitely gets you, like, you know, what's expected and it, it probably does give you more freedom to be creative versus, you know, if you're, I guess it depends that, you know, if you're, if you're doing something for someone else, and you know the steps you're supposed to take like you've got a um an a sop laid out and it's telling you what steps to go down that get, i guess it gives you some freedom to be able to say hey as long as i'm you know meeting these criteria then you know here's the area over here where i can mix in some some of myself or some uh creative aspect to it so versus i think you could be creative and if things aren't defined usually you probably get into trouble because you didn't have a clear understanding beforehand between two people. Hmm. How do we, how do we create more creativity for ourselves? And, you know, it's interesting for you being an engineer, someone so focused on process, uh, performance, you know, someone would look at that and say, well, 
he's all about process, not really about creativity, but there is an opportunity to create a lot more creativity in our life and our career, our business, whatever it may be. You know, how do you think about that? And how do you, uh, like, what do you recommend for people to become more creative or feel like, feel like they are more creative? Um, well, so just to start with, like, that's what I do. You know, my job is problem solving and processes and stuff like that. But like, I'm kind of the, if you remember the, the Charlie in the box from the Rudolph, uh, claymation things mm. like this, you know, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't fit in with it, with the rest. That's kind of how I viewed yeah. myself for years as an engineer. Cause I'm, you know, I like to write, I like to, to, um, be humorous with things and kind of like, not as serious sometimes as maybe we're supposed to be. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but sometimes I feel like it can, you can come up with new ways to do things, make things more fun or enjoyable. Um, I think that a way to, I guess, foster that creativity is just um, maybe, okay, looking at what what the rules are, but, you know, where, yeah, I, I guess maybe let's look at it from maybe the, um, if you're the the leader in the, in the group and you're trying to foster creativity in your people is to let them know that it's okay to, to do things, you know, their own way, like here, give them that margin to step outside the box. So like even with these co-ops that have come in, yeah, I ask and be uh, curious and ask questions, but I also want them to like, like each of them comes in with their own skill set, their own like ways of viewing things. And I want them to do it their way and because sometimes their way, like maybe it's some visual presentation or, or a way they're communicating something. Um, I guess not to be back to the assumption thing, not to just assume like, everyone's going to want to see it this way. Everyone's mm -hmm. going to want to communicate Like maybe you, maybe you communicate something in a different way than people normally are used to getting it, but that's, that's your creative angle. And sometimes that ends up being, you know, kind of refreshing to kind of break the mold, kind of like meetings, right? Meetings <laughs> are like always a big topic, right? How do you, how do you, do you have to have the meeting or, you know, if you have a meeting, can you, right. can you do it the way it's, not been done all the time and make it more, yeah. you know, engaging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, people love to hate meetings, right? But how often do we step back and say, well, can we do this differently? Do we even have to have the meeting? Uh, we can have a whole conversation about meetings. Um, <laughs> we got, we had a great comment from, uh, Paul Zamora who said curiosity and creativity goes great with music. I have tried all kinds of instruments that I can or have never played. It's like, it's the learning and figuring out uh, is what makes it fun and a great learning experience. Uh, and Sean, I see you have a guitar behind you. Are you a musician? Uh, just of that instrument right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Um, it's actually a Washburn guitar. I finally, I've never bought my own guitar. I've played for years and I finally, uh, I saw one that was a good deal the other day and got it. So yeah, that's, I like playing that. But um, I like to hand drum. That's, those are my two instruments. <laughs> I played trombone when I was growing up in marching band. Yeah. Uh, but those, yeah. I, I never got into playing any musical instruments. I, I wish I had, uh, other than like hand drumming on my, on my legs, uh, or my stomach. <laughs> but, um, but I can see the creativity in that. And I love listening to music and the creativity of different types of music. Um, so we talked about curiosity and creativity. Uh, I, I want to talk about process a little bit as well, because I know this is an area of expertise for you. Um, and I think this is something we can all benefit from. How do we look at a process or something that we're doing on a regular basis and 
find more efficiencies, eliminate waste. You know, I mean, we all only have, we'll say 168 hours in a week, 24 hours in a day, that kind of thing. You see some people who are way more productive than others. And sometimes that comes down to them eliminating waste and just spending their time a lot more effectively than others. So how do you think about that, both from a organizational standpoint and maybe from an individual standpoint? Um, yeah. So one thing that's interesting, like we, we get into a lot of automation at work and I mean, I think everywhere, you know, whether it's digitally online or with actual machinery, automation is a, a big thing. One thing I've found with automation is you know, the goal is always like to get this thing just kind of run on its own. But what, what happens in the process is it forces you to, if you haven't had really clearly defined processes and steps or decision-making that happens in your, in your, um, you know, whatever you're doing, it, it forces you to answer those questions. And so I think that's where one of the keys to becoming more efficient in any process is to have everything laid out in front of you. Uh, a lot of times we have, you know, I've been working with, um, some small businesses and you know there there's just a few of them there and and the the owners have been doing this for years and so like they they were trying to get things offloaded off their plate um and what they found was like so much of it was in their head and so like they were getting asked a lot of questions because it just hadn't been they hadn't had time to really sit down and and lay out you know the answers to different questions they're being asked but um you know we did we did a process not too long ago where I work called a um a uh, value stream map. It's like a engineer a manufacturing kind of term thing, but it's basically we laid out on a big piece of paper, like every single step and decision that happens from like when material came into our place to when a part went out. And when you could see it all in front of you, all of a sudden you start to see things that you didn't see before. And I think that's where we realize, okay, you know, lean manufacturing is a terminology that's kind of gotten into other areas too. And there's like these eight wastes that they talk about. And one of the big ones is, is always like waiting and things that you don't usually think about, but waiting costs you time. And sometimes you're waiting, someone's waiting for an answer from you, or you're waiting for someone to make a decision on something. And when you can, when you can even identify those things, like you have to put on the different glasses of like, okay, how, which part of this process are we waiting on things or where are we? Mm doing extra work that the customer really doesn't even they're not they don't care about you know maybe we're doing it to try to give them a better product or whatever but um yeah it's a, but i think a lot of it comes down to just like i say that, that visual laying things out in front of you because when it's in your head it's really hard to identify and you, you kind of you make decisions and you jump ahead in things because um well i guess another thing is to have somebody come in who's totally unfamiliar with what you're doing and you know maybe you have a, a procedure have them walk like through it right? yeah yeah and have them walk through it from with fresh eyes and say like you know they might ask questions that you haven't thought about because you like, are why are you doing it this way and you've, been <laughs> yeah. doing it that, you've been doing it that way for years you're like this is the way we've always done it yeah i think that's always really healthy because you know it may it may step on you almost need people to step on toes because you may have had things instilled in your organization just ways of doing things or whatever that haven't either no one's been allowed to challenge those or you know just haven't had someone come in who's been able to kind of unearth you know and ask good questions like that that you know maybe maybe this worked 10 years ago mm -hmm. and you know maybe now it's a good time to re-examine and say hey there's totally new new technology out there new ways to do this 
Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It, for some reason that reminds me of this story that I've heard a few times uh, that uh, Tamara Levitt tells through in this meditation on the Calm app about this woman who's uh, who's roasting a uh, ham and cuts the end off of it. And her husband asks, why do you always cut the end off of a ham when you're cooking it? And she said, I don't know. That's the way my mom taught me to do it. He goes to her mother and says, mom, why do we always cut the end off of the ham when we when we bake the ham? And her mom says, I don't know. That's the way I learned it from my from my mother. And then she goes to her mother, her grandmother and says, mom, why do we always cut the end off of the ham? And her mother says, well, when you were little, we lived in this small apartment with a tiny oven and the entire ham couldn't fit in there. So we always cut the end off so that it would fit. And it's like, oh, now we've always been doing that for generations when it doesn't make any sense anymore. We don't need to right. do that. We've got a bigger oven, but we see stuff like that all the time in the working world. Yeah, and it, and I think, yeah, that's that's one of them. Is like you did, like you just assume, you let something happen and you don't question it. And then other times is just when things are so much, you're so you're so close to something that you just can't see the, you know, the inefficiency there or you can't see how many decisions you're making you know like the whole like decision fatigue can you can you make things more efficient by kind of pre-making decisions and not having to have people either come and ask you or try to track things down themselves yeah um okay so a couple more questions for you before we wrap up sean i know you love excel you have a lot of talent there <laughs> um there are many people who run away from excel um, I came up in insurance and consulting, and so I spent a lot of time with Excel. And I, I like to think I'm pretty good, but I've seen your skills. You're far and away better than I am. Uh, and I don't use it a lot anymore, but I still see the value. Uh, why should people think about using Excel more often? Or Not that we need to encourage people to, right? But I think there's a lot of capabilities there that people get intimidated and think, well, I'm never going to use that. When if you even if you're not an engineer, there's a lot of uses for Excel or Google Sheets or whatever it may be, right? Um, that that can help you in your job or your career or your business. Yeah, and I've 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 gotten into a lot more of Google Sheets, and I know like even with Excel online versions, like the more things go as we kind of head along, I'm not sure how much there might be less and less of like desktop version of Excel, but that's mm -hmm. the desktop version is where you can really. Um, automate a lot of things and and I've done all so many different things over the years but um, I feel like a lot of it's just either you don't know just like anything that I'm kind of maybe intimidated by I don't have time to get into and so I've just I kind of stick with what I know about it and that's most of the people I, I end up working with you know where I work or wherever that's kind of most of them are in the same boat like um, and I love I love teaching and being able to help. So like if they've got some issue or they're like, Hey, I wish I didn't have to spend an hour on this every day, you know, like, Hey, let's take a look at it, show them what I'm doing, how to do it, you know, and maybe it's macros or visual basic or something like that. But like Excel, the thing about it is it's like, I, I don't even know. I've, I've tapped into a lot of it, but yeah. I know that there's so much more that I haven't tapped into. And it's, it's all in this, you know, Thing that some people may just use for adding a couple numbers together right but even just like the capabilities for organization and um, tabulation and um, just keeping things organized i use it all the time for every event that i'm running not just for financials but tracking speakers and all kinds of things there's so many things you can do um, and on that note you know one thing you can do that i got to see you uh, showcase your skills with excel the last time i saw you working in it was uh, at some time in the beginning of the pandemic, I think in early 2020, 
you started a push-up challenge uh, with a bunch <laughs> of friends and a group, and I jumped in on that. And you know, I'm a regular at the gym, but my gym closed just like everybody else. I'm like, okay, let's go do this push-up challenge. And uh, you had a bunch of friends jump into this, and you had columns for every person. And then uh, each day throughout the month, and we actually put in how many push-ups we did that day, uh, reminding each other that it's not necessarily a competition, right? Like there are some people that are just never going to be as many, do as many as I do. And I might, might not be able to do as many as somebody else, but we can track the progress and, and hope that we are growing and improving. Um, but there's a lot of things you can do with that. And it created a lot of accountability, right? Where you go in, mm -hmm. you see like, oh, Sean did 150 pushups today. Like I want to get in there and do 150 pushups as well. And it was really motivating. And like, all we needed was this, this Google sheet to track what was going on. And I think I stayed pretty fit and did more pushups than I ever have done <laughs> in my life that month because of that spreadsheet you created. Yeah, and that, it's it's interesting. Well, one, for anyone who doesn't know, Andy, I think the one day you did like a thousand, right? <laughs> so it was kind of crazy. I did but, 500 one day and then somebody was like, you could do, maybe you could do a thousand. And then so I, a friend challenged me and I think he made 800 and I got to a thousand. That was a good day, a lot of pushups. Yeah. But one thing I loved it, and it was, it was, um, that was through Google Sheets. But one thing I loved about it was, um, and this is, you know, even outside of the Google thing or the spreadsheet thing is, you know, for me, that was just like, I, I view things in spreadsheets a lot of times, right? So I was just like, hey, I'm going to start doing these push ups. Does anyone want to join me? Whoever, whatever it is for whoever's listening, right? Whatever your thing is, you know, maybe you like knitting, you know, like, how can you get other people? How, how can you either help people with that or get other people involved in creating a community? And I didn't know what was going to happen with that and threw it out there. And all of a sudden, yeah, we filled up all those slots and I loved it because we had people in that group that were, you know, didn't, couldn't even do a push up or were afraid to do a push up. And, and we had, I think we had like a, a Facebook group, you know, where we're posting videos and, and it became a really cool thing for me. And you show up in the, in the Google sheet. And it was almost like, like you're saying being at the gym because the gyms were closed. Yeah. So it'd show up in there and like, Hey, you know, Andy just posted 60 more pushups or whatever. <laughs> and then I ended up from there, I think in total, I did another one with a, a one group of mine, some guys to get together with and our families. And so our kids were, were doing it and they were in there. And then, you know, it's, I guess you just never know. You do the thing that, you are passionate about or you know well and you never know yeah. what what can happen from that yeah this is bigger than just a, a google sheet or a spreadsheet i thought a lot about that push-up challenge that you started because just one little idea of i'm i want to do more push-ups this month i'm going to challenge myself who wants to join me and then a bunch of people jumping in and creating a spreadsheet to track it uh has such a huge ripple effect on the world because they were i don't know there were 25 people or so in there who were all probably doing more push-ups than they would have normally done, probably engaging in more fitness that month than they would have normally. Even those of us who go to the gym, there was a tendency to just get lazy because the gym was closed, but because everybody was doing push-ups, like, okay, I'm going to go do that. There were some people in there who had never done push-ups before, who were like learning how to do them yeah. for the first time, right? And it's like you, no matter who we are, you don't have to be some big name person with a huge, huge following, any of us can make a difference in the world and impact the lives of others, you know, influencing three or four people to eat healthier or get in better shape, right? Or go talk to your boss or like figure out where you want to go in your career or whatever it may be. Like we all have an opportunity to make an impact, which um, you just set a great example of that. And I was, I was so excited about that. And I've thought about it often. Um, one, one more question I want to ask you, Sean, as you've gone through your career and all the stuff that you've done, 
what's an important lesson that you've learned from your career that you you take with you uh, into the future? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm big on. I mean, yeah. My my job is about you know the results are having quality parts and and keeping our machines running and everything. But like, at least for me, I found that value valuing people like i i wherever i've worked or whoever i've worked with i've i feel like like god's placed me there for a reason so um i like to get to know one like value who someone you know people i'm working with get to know their names find out like what what they like to do outside of work because really everybody's there i mean they're there to provide for their families or whatever but like you only have one chance to live this life and so i think you know, wherever you find yourself and whatever group you're you're working with or interacting with is um, get to know people, value them, see how you can encourage them. Um, the things we're talking about today, right? Like how can, you know, what are they into that they can make a difference and maybe they feel like, like they've never done it because they're like, well, who am I, you know? So, um, you know, but I think above all else, you know, whether it's your family, your friends, you know, how how can you build up other people around you? Love that lesson, you know, just um, treating others well, leading with curiosity and kindness um, and seeing how you could help other people around you is, is always, I mean, it's, that's worked out well for me and I can see how it has for you. Um, last question, Sean, um, this podcast is called the Own Your Career Show. My book is called the Own, it's called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. By the way, today is the one year yes. anniversary of publishing this book. Thank you. <laughs> November 16th, 2020. This book came out, uh, so its birthday is today. Happy birthday, book! Um, when you hear that title, "Own Your Career," "Own Your Career," "Own Your Life," uh, what does that mean to you? Um, I'm, you know, I'm big on like, like assessments. I mean, I don't love taking a bunch of assessments, but like, I think understanding how we're wired and what we're passionate about, and the more we can get to know ourselves, the more we can see what opportunities are out there that are a really good fit for us. And you see people that, you know, I, I happen to have stayed in engineering and manufacturing all these years and it's, it's really fit with who I am. And as long as I've got, you know, the people to interact with and it, it's just been a good fit. Other people I've known, like my roommate in college, like we took all the same classes and he ended up in, you know, it work and he's loved, he's loved that. But like being willing to be curious, see what's out there, you know, there's jobs that maybe you don't even know about. And the more people like you that you know, are interviewing people all the time in all these different areas and, and really inspiring other people to um, kind of take a look at like, do you have to stay in this? You know, maybe it's a field, the field you're in or the specific job you're in. There's so many opportunities. I mean, look at every, every place that's out there is looking for people. <laughs> you, you know, the Starbucks by us doesn't open till 10 in the morning because there's no one to work there. Like, so there's, there's so many opportunities more than ever before to explore areas that are, you know, a really good fit for you. And so, um, yeah, you've been a great ambassador for that. And like, you've really challenged me with that to kind of look at myself and, and I think the more, like I say, the more we get to know our skills and, and where we want to go, um, yeah. and just be willing to, to, to not be afraid to explore that and see what would happen. Love that. Thank you, Sean, for, coming on and sharing. I, I really appreciate that and, and everything that you shared today. Uh, Sean Washburn is the host of the Engineering Your Business podcast. I put his 
website on the screen there, seanwashburn.com. Uh, I know you're active on LinkedIn and uh, other social media channels as well. So I assume people can reach out to you to connect and of course, follow along with your podcast. And by the way, what what can people, why should people tune into your your podcast? What can people expect from that show? Um, yeah, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, uh, people processes, you know, curiosity and just kind of how that relates to other areas that aren't, you know, manufacturing and also the creativity side, like, like I say, <laughs> if you, if you could take all of me or none of me, like who I am, when you listen to some of the episodes, I mean, I write odes about different things in the office and just kind of <laughs> try to have fun with what we're doing, you know, work can be kind of tough sometimes. So like, how can yeah. we lighten things up? But um, this, this podcast is a daily, well, <laughs> you've challenged me. Now I got to get back on. I haven't even touched this mic in months because of stuff that I'm going through, but like, mm. it was a daily podcast. I'm going to get back into it and it's just small chunks each day. So the, the idea was, you know, you can listen on your way to work or wherever and, and, um, little bite-sized things to get you thinking about, you know, whatever's going on in your current workplace. Yeah, get back on it. I, I would love to see that. And of course, we all have seasons, things we go through. Um, but you know, it could be helpful. And I know you you'll help a lot of people by getting that stuff back out there. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I really appreciate it. Always love talking with you and uh, look forward to uh, best of luck with your career. Look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, thanks so much, Andy. It was awesome. All right, take care. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Sean Washburn. I hope you got value out of that. I hope you enjoyed it uh, and uh, that it gave you something to think about for your own career. And if you haven't, again, read my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, I want to remind you this podcast is sponsored by my book. It's available on Amazon. I'd love for you to go check it out, give you some more ideas for your career and how you can prepare for the future. And you can go grab some free resources on our website by going to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. So check that out. Let me know what you think, and I will see you next time.